welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland and I are here as usual, but this week we're going to kick it off with Chris Lasseter as well because it's just important for us to bring on Chris Lasseter because he knows this Stanton Storm team so well. And Chris, I'll ask you uh, your takeaways on what this team has been able to accomplish and I know wins and losses hasn't necessarily gone the way that the Storm wanted, maybe, but Leland and I come in week in, week out, really impressed with this defense. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and it's been a joy uh, to watch uh, the Coach Bell era. Obviously, last year, um, they got off to a 7-0 start, and then the last four games kind of um, didn't go their way. But even in those games, I, I don't know if you guys remember, outside of the Riverheads one, and then the postseason when the other two games were kind of um, the Buffalo gap loss and the Wilson loss last year were also one possession games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Wilson had a come from behind victory in the last few minutes. And Stanton was trying to pull off a miracle rally at Buffalo gap as well in that season. Um, so this has kind of been par for the course. And whenever you're in one possession games all of the time, um, then that's just something that tends to happen. And, you guys know Coach Bell. He's a legend growing up here. He's a great wrestler, a great football player himself. And he's an offensive lineman, so Stanton still has that ability to do the big plays. But they also do not mind making it a physical game and grounding and pounding and going four yards at a time when that works as well. And so I think prior to, I think you kind of associate with Stanton football, big playability, lots of athletes all over the field. And there's still some truth to that, but they're also – Uh, much more physical of a team and Mm -hmm. tend to play the same style of football as we do see throughout most of the Shenandoah district. And I think that was evident Friday night as well. So talking about Friday night, you know, that was as tight a test as Riverheads has faced inside the district in a few years uh, and outside of Stewart's draft in quite a while. It it was a well-played game, particularly defense by both teams, but Stanton had them right there, but just could never find that, offensive series to get it in the end zone to overtake things in the second half. Yeah. And I think the game came at a perfect time for Stanton as well. Um, I think, I mean, their defense is legit and it's legit every week. Like there's never been a week this year where their defense hasn't showed up, but if you're any team, I think, and you could say, which week would you like to face Riverheads, the seven time defending state champion? Most people would say after the Christianburg game, that would just be the perfect chance, like, uh, you know, just a little more sore after uh, you play one of those bigger schools. Muscles are a little more tight, a little more aches, um, and emotionally a little more spent, presumably, you know, uh, even in discipline programs, still dealing with teenagers. Um, Stanton comes in at the right time. Their defense has been playing lights out all year. And typically what happens is, um, Stanton can compete with everyone, but typically, um, you know, teams are able to find a way to get three yards of possession and then convert fourth downs, keep drives sustained, and keep Stanton's offense off the field a lot. And what we saw is Riverheads was able to do that on the first possession of the game. And then um, it was sporadic after that, but there were lots of times where uh, Riverheads was forced into a three and out. And that's something we only see. Um, just really not that often with Riverheads, but Stanton just did a great job of not letting Riverheads sustain drives a lot. And even on the scoring touchdown um, in the second half, 
Stanton had come up with a big fourth down stop and then was penalized and kept that drive alive. So uh, kudos to their uh, defense and their offense didn't play terrible. They just did not. Um, they just couldn't put enough points on the board to knock off the state champs. Um, and even if they would have, I think Riverhead's like, you got to do a lot to beat the champs, right? So even if they would have scored more, I think you'd have seen more resiliency out of Riverheads. Either way, it was going to be a close game. So I'm curious because you talked about, you know, how a few of the games last year ended, how all the games this year have ended that they haven't won have been one score games. Have you noticed being around the team? Have you noticed that start to affect the kids? Because it's got to be hard having that many one score losses every time you're in a close game to be to not have that in the back of your head, I would think. Yeah, and I, I put something on my social media and I knew I was going to write something just because it was such a profound moment. But, uh, you know, as reporters were down there, we're just waiting for coaches to finish up and you hear things. Um, and I was just so impressed with the post-game speech that Mike Bell gave to those kids because it's been a heartbreaking year. They've lost a bunch. And he told them before the game, I heard the pregame speech too. He's like, I believe in you guys. And then they showed up for him. They play hard for him and they gave him everything they had. And he said, like, I don't want to hear anything about anything. Uh, you guys gave me everything you had. Just continued on and on and on, just building his team up and calling leadership out of his leaders to keep the team together. Um, you know, you can't always control what happens on the scoreboard, but you can control your reaction. And I just thought uh, he he handled it beautifully. I, I mean, it was one of those moments where you would say, and I would say that for a lot of the coaches in our community, thankfully, uh, that person could coach my kid any day of the week and yeah. twice on Sunday. I, I mean, you you said that to me right after the game. We, you and I had talked a little bit and, and you made that comment. And for you to say that, that leaves something with me that for you to – have seen something that meant that much that really impressed me. And, you know, I, it's hard to ignore what you're saying here about Coach Bell and also knowing the other coaches you've seen coach there, but also the coach you played for. And, and we lost Coach Hatcher a few weeks ago. We haven't had you on since then. And, but I, the over broad aspect of how coaches can affect these kids' lives, we, we talk about it, but – usually not during the season as much. That's when we're worried about the wins and losses yeah. and what the scoreboard said and who had how many yards. But it it's really something to be reminded of that in a moment during the middle of the season of these lessons, these life lessons that are really going to be impactful for these young men as they move on, young women in other sports. Um, it's just I think that really stuck out to me from everything you were saying Friday night and then writing about on Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was just – I mean – I'm impressed with, uh, you know, the Riverheads kids. I'm impressed with the the program. I'm impressed that the kids are learning to make championship plays. I don't think we don't talk to Riverheads kids until the very last game of the year. Um, but I think if you were to talk to them, they would probably say like, we didn't feel like we put our best effort out there. Um, but those kids found a way to be resilient and win. And I feel like, um, <clears throat> excuse me life asks us to do that sometimes as well right like when things don't go your way yeah. you have to find a way and be resilient and win and so i think um you left kind of feeling like both teams are learning the life lessons that you hope that kids learn on friday nights that um just help them to be productive citizens and contributing members of society um once they hang up the jerseys chris i'm, I'm curious because you mentioned earlier in the interview you know when you think of stanton in the past it would be athletes all over the place, big playability, 
And while they definitely have the grinders on this year's team, one of those big playability players is uh, Jeff Ra, and he's starting to get some attention from schools. Um, but that's a guy that whenever Leland and I are at a Stanton Storm game, uh, that's who we key in on because we're like, man, if he he has the ability to bring Stanton either ahead or right back in a ball game with any given play. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Um, he's he's. He's also a very good soccer player, like very good. Um, and so, you know, that's typically not a combination that you saw. Right. But last year, uh, Stanton just had so many uh, upperclassmen on the basketball team that he was on the junior varsity basketball team. And it was kind of like, here's this kid um, who colleges are saying like, hey, he might be a good fit for our football program, who is dominating the district in soccer. And these poor eighth graders are going out there on the basketball court and trying to uh, stop him in the post. It was just like the most ridiculous thing. Um, but the kid is just a tremendous athlete. I tend to go to the state and Augusta family YMCA a lot as well. He's always working and he's got a little brother coming up right behind him. And uh, Mark's always in the gym. He's always working out. He's tough. He was banged up. Uh, pretty bad um, coming out of that game. And in the Wilson game, <laughs> he had three touchdowns that were called back. So we see the explosive yeah. ability. It's just not always making it to the box score that everyone's seeing. But if you watch the tape, you know, like, he's he's legit. Yeah. And it, it's kind of felt like the other coaches in the district have finally caught on, and they know his name because they're telling their quarterbacks, hey, when we have to pass it, don't throw it to that side of the field. Because last year, I mean, it felt like every single game – I'm looking at Leland's yes. game notes. He's like, oh, pick six last week. And I'm like, why are they throwing it over there? Like, <laughs> learn your lesson. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> there was the cornerback uh, for the Cowboys who um, I think he got injured a mm -hmm. few weeks ago, but uh, mm -hmm. he, was, he wasn't risk averse, you know? Like, he would take the chances. Like, he didn't always do the fundamental thing, but he had a great nose for the football, and he was just going to go get it and pick it out of the – and uh, Mark has a little bit of that in him, you know, like uh, he sees, he reads the defense, he reads the offense really well, where he should be and where opportunities are to make big plays on defense. And I've definitely seen more quarterbacks around the district having an idea where he is if they throw the ball this year. So, I think Peyton Dunn is the other player that I pick out from this group. He's been all district ever since he stepped on the football field, it seems like. And, you know, Real impressive kid. I know uh, very capable on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, he's really something to watch out there as well. Yeah, his dad actually was a college football player at Fairham yeah. too. And so uh, his dad um, works for Waynesboro Police Department. I love to go and give him a hard time <laughs> and uh, just compare notes during the games and ask who's the better Who's the better done? Uh, and and that uh, that never sits well with dad. Um, but it's fun. And, I mean, again, just a great kid. Um, and he will hit you. He's solid, and he plays football the right way. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me to see either one of them playing for someone on Saturdays. Oh, yeah. Well, we hope so. I mentioned Coach Hatcher through one of my talkings there. We, we hadn't had you on. Give me a Coach Hatcher story. Give me something that has stuck with you, something that you've thought of um, in recent weeks uh, when you're remembering Coach Hatcher. So – Back then, they used to have a poll that came out. Um, and so it's my first year on varsity. 
and um, we get the polls out and we're number one in the state my junior year and we play <laughs> Turner Ashby. Uh, we win the game and uh, he just comes in the locker room and says, I don't know, doesn't look like the number one team in the state to me. It was so motivating. It was so infuriating <laughs> in that moment. Uh, but he knew how to call the best out of us. And like I, I wrote in the column, like, um, yeah, he just like he he hated losing more than anybody I ever met in my life. Like you would just watch him shake. But all right. So if you ask just for one story, though, this one is my absolute favorite. Uh, my senior year, we are 14 and 0, I believe we go to Harrisonburg and we're down 17 points in the second half. And we come back and beat them at Harrisonburg because it's a snow week. We play them. They come to our gym. They're mad. They knew they had us and they let us get away. We go to the fourth quarter and we are down 59 to 36. And Coach Hatcher's wife at the time, Judy Hatcher, who passed away first, um, just went home to put on coffee for Coach Hatcher. It was about to be our first loss of the season. And uh, she goes home, puts on the coffee. He comes in the door. And she's like, well, you can't win them all. And he's like, Judy, what are you talking about? We actually came back from down 23 points in the fourth quarter and wow. beat Harrisonburg 88-87 in overtime. And she had this whole speech ready for like, hey, <laughs> nobody wins all the time. And I think it's still the biggest comeback in his, um, at least in the fourth quarter, I know it is. And I got to be part of that. And the Roanoke Times came and did a story when it was his fifth 500th win. Uh, that was my junior year as well. And we were just thinking, man, how old is this guy? Like, because I went to school <laughs> with Brandon and Brandon was a year ahead of me. And we were yeah. like, how old is Coach Hatcher? Like, he's already won 500. And he was just getting started, evidently. But uh, we lived on the same street when he, when I was growing up in Staten for a while. Um, we both grew up on Hudson Ave, uh, Brandon and I. And so we were, I was just part of the neighborhood crew. Um, and then obviously he was my coach and he was a great mentor. And um, again, that's why sports mean so much to me. It's just yeah. that idea that like um, he helped map out a blueprint for success that I can go to take in every part of life. So much like uh, Casto has done for those kids in Riverheads and uh, North Cross is continuing with that tradition. Yeah, but it's hard to, uh, you know, as all the respect that Coach Hatcher gets, um, you know, it doesn't, the conversation doesn't go on until someone brings up Coach Casto because just the, state level success it's only happened with two different programs in this area and and it, it doesn't take long for that conversation um but yeah coach losing coach hatcher it's it's been fun having people on and having them share their stories and uh i think we were i think when we had uh, patrick hyde on he referenced one of your stories when he was on the podcast because uh I yeah. guess everybody talks to you to know the inside stuff there all right so this is this is the last one i don't want to read but i'll, I'll <laughs> I go down rabbit holes at times but uh you know, Patrick wrote a book and I played yeah. for Coach Hatcher, but like there's so many great players. I'm insignificant when it comes to like high school prep careers. So the way I made it in the book was there was a kid who had signed with Virginia Tech for football. And uh, <laughs> he and Coach Hatcher had gotten a disagreement when they were playing Cape Spring with JJ Reddick at halftime. And um, the kid just ended up not playing basketball for Coach Hatcher anymore after halftime. That was it for his career. But the kid actually rode home with me from Roanoke at the, at the game uh, because he wasn't on the team anymore. So that's how I made it into Patrick's book. I was like, of course, like my car makes it in, but my career doesn't. <laughs> it, 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 it is what it is, man. So 
So uh, I, this is one day in the summertime when prep sports slows down a little bit and you guys are doing a podcast. You guys can um, throw out this question, but like if there was anything that you would make into like an inspirational movie or um, like a 30 for 30 that you've ever seen around here as far as prep sports goes, like what would it be? And I tell Patrick all the time, um, you know, the comparison usually is Coach Hatcher and um, Coach Casta, but I think really the comparison is Coach Wilkerson and Coach Hatcher. Because oh, wow. yeah. uh, I think Coach Wilkerson did 41 years. Yeah. Um, and if I had to just write something that was like made for Disney, I was covering the track meet at uh, <laughs> Coach Wilkerson's last track meet. I'm not paying any attention to the fact that um, mm-hmm. They haven't had a they haven't had a first place finish the whole day. And then I start doing the math and I'm like, wait, like if they finish third or better in this final race, they're going to win the state championship without a single first place finish. Um, and so, you know, I grew up with Mike Wilkerson. We were on the same AU team for Coach Spears. I always had a ton of respect uh, for Coach Wilkerson, too, um, just to do 41 years investing into those athletes. And I think um, that would be my pick for like, if I had to make a Disney movie out of anything that ever happened around here, it'd probably be that. But uh, we have lots of football to talk about. So we'll save that, that one for another day. That'd be one of those fun, you know, movies or whatever, because you could cut to like Wilkerson in a classroom, like slamming a piece of wood on a desk, like I experienced. Uh, yeah, that would that'd be quite the <laughs> shift in that movie where you, you could come with that fire that Coach Wilkerson had. Yeah, uh, and, then, and uh, he, he, is he kept a lot too. of... He kept a lot of his wardrobe from early in his uh, teaching career yes. too, so yep. that's probably the, the the nicest way to say uh, <laughs> to say that piece as well. But a ton of respect for what he was able to accomplish as well. We've lost um, definitely some legends. So Absolutely. I guess if we stick around long enough, that's we see that. So yeah. Well, Chris, we usually wrap up these interviews with the kind of question like what are you binging uh in terms of tv shows when you're not wrapped up in sports uh, or what are you reading uh or movies or what is something our audience needs to check out maybe outside of the realm of sports <laughs> so um joe i i wish i had a better answer for you but i'll just be honest about what life is right now um i am a volleyball dad Nice. So that is pretty much. You check out Stanton volleyball. Yeah, that's a good answer. I check out Stanton volleyball (laughs) all of the time um, because my daughter's a sophomore on the Storm volleyball team. We have Riverheads coming up um, here shortly. We'll play against them. I think we play Wilson tomorrow. Um, And so the TV doesn't get cut on a whole lot, to be honest (laughs) with you. Um, And I just read a lot of like self-improvement books. I read a lot of theology books. I read a lot of um, fiction books like Murder, Who Done It? But like, I'm a huge book person, but not so much. And I'll read a lot of sports books as well, but I'm not a big, um, I'm not I'm not a big TV person, but I have a sports book that I wanna write. I've written lots of books, but I've been a sports writer since 1998 in this community. And I feel like I should at least, um, try my hand at one. I have one in mind that I, I want to do. So for nice. um, a guide for student athletes who grew up here. So awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll be looking for it on bookshelves. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for joining right. us, Chris. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks again to Chris Laster for coming on. We really appreciate yeah. it. Um, Leland, I know you were there, but that was a a game where when the scoring updates kept coming in and it was nothing, nothing, Stanton yeah. takes a 3 nothing lead, and it's tight all the way to the end, and then we start watching the NFHS feed, and the broadcaster is just like the worst kind of homer, just like constantly complaining about the officials and, oh, poor Riverhead's not getting constantly. a call. They, that broadcaster constantly. totally forgetting that Riverhead's got a gift of a call against Christiansburg. That's the only reason they won the game. Um, yeah. Kidding, of course. Because the game was you know, a large deficit when that call happened, right? Kidding, of course. Oh. Um, but, yeah, no, it was it, it was a game where, it, all jokes aside now, um, it was a game where I, I was... I couldn't help but think Stanton has one of the best defenses that I have seen since being in this area. And they're not going to go to the playoffs because they just don't score enough points. They have a district contending defense. And I'm not just going to say this and be like, well, I would love to see, I would love to see that defense up against some of the best teams in three C. I I think they're good enough. If I I say district, I said district, they have a region contending defense. Absolutely. Uh, so I misspoke there. Region contending defense, without a doubt. I'm not going to sit here and just say that and be like, oh, well, they shut down Riverhead, so that means they're good. No, they've been doing this all year. They did it to Central Woodstock, who is also the top of Region 2B. They did it against Draft. They did it against Wilson. They did it every team they beat, they've shut down. And then the teams they every team they lost to, they shut down. They just couldn't get their offense going. They've shut down every opponent. All seven have done next to nothing offensively. Draft had the most success. It's still only 23 points. And Stanton was only three points behind. It's just been an incredible defense that's kept them in each and every game they've played this season. And it is a shame it's not going to be rewarded more. Their scoring average and defensive points allowed is 21 points scored, 12 allowed. Is I mean, that's a top four team, like in the region kind of, Comparison. You look at every other team in there, and that would put them up in that range. That would put them behind TA, behind LCA, and then I'm not going to name any more teams that have that kind of um, averages going on. So it's just it's a shame, and you hate that for these kids. You hate that for the seniors on that defense that are doing what it takes to take them to the next level, and they're not going to go. And so it it's a shame. Credit to Stanton. Anything I want to say about Riverheads, anything Chris said about Riverheads, is not taken away from what Stanton did. I am not seeing Riverheads be hung over from the week before too often. I'm not sure if I saw that Friday, maybe, but it's not. it doesn't happen often. Usually they're ready to go. So I'm giving all the credit in the world that Stanton made Riverheads' life miserable offensively the other night. It just was handy for Riverheads. Their defense is good too. And, you know, shut down this Stanton offense that hasn't had a whole lot of success in other games. So it's just not, doesn't stand out the same way that Stanton's defense shutting down Riverhead's offense that we're used to be in that machine did not look that way. It doesn't stick out as much. So it was just a great example of a great defense, but just two points shy of pulling up the big upset and having everybody. But I, th- I still think they got a, everybody I've talked to since that game has been wow, Stanton's defense is for real. So like, I still think they're getting that credit. It reminds me of a year ago when they beat Stewart's draft. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They're for real. Well, this kind of solidified their defense. And I keep reminding people they've already done this a couple of times that shutting central's offense down was impressive. So I, I'm just not going to say now I'm impressed. I've been impressed and everybody should be. Yeah. And I, and I think to your credit, like, 
I don't know how much of it is Riverhead's hangover after the Christiansburg game either, because it if this was a team that had been given up, you know, 20, 30 points a game every week, then okay. No, yeah. Then yeah, maybe it's Riverhead's hangover. But Stanton has done this all year long, like you said. And, and at that point, like it's like, no, they're just really good. And I don't know how much solace there is in this, but I, I mean I would I would be willing to go out of the limb without knowing the entire list in front of me. This has got to be one of the best two and five teams in the state of Virginia, if not the best two and five team in the state of Virginia. I mean, it is. Yeah. I don't know how much solace Coach Bell and and the Storm take in that, but this is a team we, that, again, like I, I, I'm a little disappointed for him. You know, we root for all of our schools, obviously, and we yeah. we hate that some of them have to have bad seasons. But um, this is this is one where I'm like, gosh, if this if they could just score more points, like, and it wasn't that long ago that it was kind of the opposite, right? Like you're like, man, Stanton wants to get in a shootout and they just hope that they score more points than you. Uh, And it's kind of ironic in a, uh, or funny in an ironic way, not funny in a ha ha way that it's kind of the opposite. Like the defense is finally amazing. And now it's the offense that is kind of struggling to get it, click on all cylinders for four quarters. Um, But I, I think some of that is who the weapons are and they're well known weapons. And so schools defenses are, are trying to focus. I mean, we mentioned Jeff Raw. That's one that like teams have started to look at Stanton and go, someone else is gonna have to beat us. Like we're not gonna let him beat us. Like we're gonna we're gonna focus all of our attention on him yeah. and good luck somebody else. Like and you know Jeff Raw had a good play in the first half and that mm-hmm. led to a field goal. But other than that, it was a lot of Braylon Fields. It was a lot of Macaulay running. Macaulay had some mm-hmm. good runs from the quarterback position to lead him to another field goal. It's just piecing it together for. I mean, they just needed another score late and they yeah. couldn't find it. Um, the region's going to be happy that that Stanton team's not going to slide in at eight or something. Because even looking at what Stanton has left, now that they are sitting here two and five, Buffalo Gap, Fort Defiance, Waynesboro, Fort Defiance has the most wins of those. I mean, I'm confident Stanton will win those other two games. But the Fort Defiance game, you, you're not sure. But they can go beat them. I still don't think Stanton gets in because of this. And so, uh, yeah, the top of region 3C will be glad they don't have to face that defense. Now, would I be guaranteeing victories against that? No, but it would slow some of those big teams down. Like it would slow them down. It wouldn't be the offensive output that those schools are used to. And then what happened? You know, when they only have, you know, two touchdowns at halftime, it might be 14 nothing, but when they only have 14 points at halftime, you know, what's going through their minds? And then you're in a ball game. So it's a shame that won't happen. And honestly, I mean, we talk about Wilson being the only team that's held TA under 50 points this year. I think that stayed true this week. Um, but I would darn close if it didn't. Could you imagine if if Stanton's defense played TA? That would be I would love to see that matchup. That would be like a dream matchup. Yeah. Like I want to watch Stanton's defense play against TA's offense. And I mean, Man, and we, we it might them in non district so many times. It would have been nice if we got that this year. It might be. It might take that kind of uh, combination to beat LCA since they don't have no. kids just in Lynchburg, but. TA put up 61 this week. So yeah, so, yeah. We're, so we're Wilson not is still in danger the only of team. that 50 point mark. Stanton is still the only, or Wilson is still the only team to hold them under 50. That's I insane. mean, it's half of what everybody else has given up. That it's 26. Is insane. That's insane. That team is 26 so points. God. And look, I mean, one, they're from our area. So, uh, you know, we'll put on the local hat and root for them when they get there. But two, I, anytime LCA loses is a good day. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was at the Fort draft game and speaking of good defenses, this was a Fort defense that I think played really well in this ball game. They contained the yeah. edge. Uh, they, they kind of went in with the, with the mindset of 
we're going to key in on the Grabers, and if somebody else wants to beat us, then so be it. But we're going to take the Graber at rushing game away. And, I mean, Landon Graber threw the ball more times in this game than he had the whole season combined before. Um, so I, I thought... I thought Stewart's draft did an okay job in the passing game. I thought there were a lot of play calls that just didn't set Landon Graper up for success. It's a lot of rolling out to the left for a right-armed quarterback, which doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense when you think about it and realize that he's got to then pull his body back and throw across his whole body when he does that versus just rolling out to the right for the right-armed quarterback (laughs) to be able to throw it. It's natural for him. Give them the options there. They didn't do a lot of that when they did. All of a sudden, instead of throwing the ball like 15 yards and hoping that there's enough on it to get there before the defensive back can knock it away, he's able to chuck, flick the wrist and the ball goes flying down the field. And I'm like, man, it's almost like that's the way you should run all of these pass plays. But um, I don't, that might be an adjustment we see uh, the rest of the way. I hope so for Stewart's draft. Because I'm sure the coaches saw that too, and I'm hoping they're going to pick up on that for future games. But the Fort offense, honestly, I mean, until their first three drives all ended in the end zone. I mean, they were all touchdowns. And you might be saying, wow, so they were up 21 nothing in the first half. No, they didn't have the ball a lot. (laughs) They didn't have the ball a lot. They had long, methodical drives. And because Stewart's draft is a ground-and-pound team for the most part, uh, they were eating up a lot of clock. But Fort was making the most of their possessions. Um, I thought I thought Fort Defiance did really well. Miller did not turn the ball over. He threw it to some guys not named Taylor Armentrout, which I thought was important. Um, and Heb had a good had a good game as well. I, I honestly yeah, so came away. Formula. That's the winning formula for them. Yeah, I, I came away like really impressed with this Fort Defiance team. And again, it's it's we said going into that because it was number seven versus number eight in the region to be ratings going yeah. into that game. And we we said the winner of this game has an outside shot at hosting, depending on how things shake out the rest of the regular season. But at least yeah. fifth, yeah. at least fifth, an fifth outside the, outside the, shot. They would need yeah. help, no matter who yeah. Yeah. the four seed is. They would need help, um, but to get there. But at least the number five spot. And I think you know, looking at fourth schedule, Stanton obviously we touched on. That's going to be a big test for them. That's I think the only test left on the schedule. Um, because they've already played Riverheads. Wilson, I, mean, I guess I, this week. I, yeah. I don't. I've seen Wilson. I've seen Fort. I have not seen Wilson be a team that looks like they could beat Fort the two times I went to see him. Well, well, that's the problem. Is that uh, you know, and that radio's talking to to Wilson this week. You know, radio's going to be at Wilson this week, and those are the times Wilson's looked worse this year. So uh, yeah, maybe the the jinx will stay on. Well, you know, for for my sake, for my sanity, I'd like to think that. Wilson can get away from the radio jinx that we've put on ourselves and, and at least perform well this week. Now, I, I, I think that can happen and maybe they still don't win, but it could be a great football game. And I think this sets up to maybe be in a pretty good game because I think this Wilson defense is for real. Um, you know, it's a very good defense. I don't think it's as good as Stanton's, but it's, it's very good. And so I think they can limit some of Fort Defiance's abilities on offense, but then, you know, flip it around and what, what can uh, Ford's defense do against Wilson – you know, this is an offense that's kind of come into a new. They worked a lot of stuff out last week against Buffalo Gap, winning 40 to 6. And they had, you know, long touchdown throws from Logan Pogorski throwing a 58 yard touchdown and a 40 yard touchdown. They had Ronan Tabler with a 41 t- 
yard touchdown run. So they had the big plays last week that we've kind of been expected needing to see in the other games. It's quick scores that can really shift the momentum. And so if they if that's woke up enough of their offense where they saw enough that can work there, I think we could see a really good game this week between these two teams coming off wins. Um, you know, both four and three, both two and one in the district. Um, you know, both wanting things from this game for playoff sake. Now, Fort Defiance, we just talked about, you know, they've won four in a row. They kind of wouldn't need three more in a row if they want to get as high as they can get, obviously. I mean, that makes sense, but this is a big key to them even having a shot at that. And so, and it's their next game to do it. But Wilson sitting tied for ninth right outside of the line for the playoffs. I still believe they got to win out. And I think a win against Fort Defiance with the amount of wins that they have. And also the last game of the season for Wilson against George Straff. These are those big games for them left. And I, I just, I kind of really hope whatever team wins this game can go undefeated the rest of the way to optimize whatever's going to happen for either one of them. I think Wilson can get in by winning out. I, I'm not writing off losing this game that they're definitely out because oh, I will. of who the other teams have to play and the amount of just what has to happen. I'm not going to write it off. I'm not going to put them where I already have Stanton with where, because they had that loss last week, but they're going to have no wiggle room. And also the PowerPoints could come up, come out next Monday. And I could be like, Oh yeah, that does rule them out. So I just want to see that. I need to see, I know who the other teams play. I know the Rustbergs, I guess they're on up, but just Brookville taking a dive this year is different than usual. So I just need to see where all this lays out. But I, I do think, this is do or die for Wilson is the way to approach this game 100%. I, I'm not going to put the gravestone out there for him if they lose this game after the game, but on Monday I could. Fort Defiance I think is in either way, but let's optimize what they can do. This team, after three weeks, I was like, what is going on? Is not necessarily not three weeks, two weeks. After two weeks, when they went to Allegheny and laid an egg and scored six points, and that seemed like a gift because everything was a mess, Ever since then, they've looked pretty good. You saw good things in the loss to Riverheads, and then we've seen four wins in a row. I I expect this to be a well-played game. I like where Wilson is coming in, coming off the big win against Buffalo Gap. I like the shift they made at quarterback with the young freshman in there, but he's got the right name. I, I just think we might see a pretty good football game on Friday between Wilson and Fort Defiance. I'm hoping so. And, uh, you know, I I think both teams are going to have an opportunity to win this game. I don't, I don't think Fort's just going to go out there and dominate. But I think if one team does, it'll be Fort. I don't think Wilson will just stop. I don't think that's an option in this game. I think either Fort dominates or it's a really good game or either team has a chance. I know which way I'm leaning, but I think Wilson can play well in this game. I really like their offense. I know we've only seen it against Buffalo Gap, but I like the change they made. I really like the change they made. I think they waited until it was time, but I like that they did it. Uh, well, Wilson, Leland might not feel comfortable telling you the cold hard dose of reality if you lose to fort defiance i will make that i, I, I will put numbers. i go by the numbers i will put the headstone out i do too i'll put the headstone out they're done if they lose to fort they're done there's not going to be enough for them to catch up i think a win uh against draft in week 10 could should mean something so i don't think it will i i don't think that's going to matter either because i don't think Stewart's draft's going to be worth that many power points draft's got another loss coming four. up Draft's got another loss coming up. Get him in. I think six and four could get him in. So. I don't think it will. Six and four is not going to get you in, Wilson. Hear it, hear it here. It's not going to get you in. So, uh, I think that's it. That was all that played, right? Waynesboro had the week off. 
Waynesboro had the week off. We don't need to say much about Gap. And uh, so, yeah, it sets up uh, the only other game happening this week. Uh, Riverheads is playing Gap. We need to spend time on that. Uh, draft plays Waynesboro. We need to spend time on that. So, yeah, that that's what we got. Uh, the PowerPoints, you know, we, we recorded the port podcast last week after before. Before. The PowerPoints came out. So I'm sure all of our listeners caught up from it somewhere. Uh, Wilson moved up a spot uh, this week and ended up actually tied right outside the line. So that's what I was referencing. Stanton's out. Waynesboro is the last in Class 3C. Uh, Region 2B, Riverhead's a second. Um, Central has the lead. Let's talk about that game for a second. Central and Clark County played. That meant a lot for these Region 2B. So everybody in mm-hmm. Fort and Stewart's draft were thinking about those games as well as, you know, both both of those other teams thinking about potential future opponents mm-hmm. central wins that game i did not think central would win that game going away like they did so they hold on to the number one spot they actually did not increase their lead into b um just the way things work out um but they still hold on to number one and i i think they will as long as they i mean if, if they finish undefeated they're going to finish number one yeah and uh riverheads if they win the rest they'll finish number two yeah and that seems fair right yeah um they, they beat them so that seems fair. Um, yeah. I, I would imagine that's probably how it's going to shake out. I don't think anyone's going to beat Central at this point. Um, down, in, down in class one, Gap, their deficit actually got smaller from, from the sixth place team. I, in a loss, in a 40 to six loss, somehow their playoff outlook looks better now, uh, but only slightly. But so that's that's only going to get worse. Those teams, those teams also still have some of the better teams left on their schedule too. So they'll get the power points that Buffalo Gap yeah, is. Even in – while they're all losing, those better teams with more wins will help them. And again, uh, unless Buffalo Gap comes out and surprises somebody and picks picks somebody off and gets a win, that's not, they're not getting in. So yeah, and it just seems so far with a forty to six game last week, it just seems like it's going the wrong way. Gap has Riverheads. I I'm just not going to spend much time there. Stanton, I don't see how this Gap offense that seems they're averaging ten points a game. That's exactly what Stanton. <laughs> it's given up. That's like, going to be a game, game where Stanton pitches, scheduled and Stanton could pitch a shutout. Stanton's defense might score yeah. the touchdown and the offense doesn't even need to score. And you can't tell me on the last night of the season when Fort Defiance is going to, you know, secure a decent playoff spot and their first playoffs in a decade that they're not going to be hyped to play and let Gap sneak up on it. It ain't going to happen. So yeah, Gap's not going to find a way. Uh, Fort, Fort has a chance to go seven and three. You don't think they that's going to matter there? Do. You don't think that's going to matter there? They're going to be so jacked up for that last game of the year. There's no way Buffalo Gap beats them. No I, way. I, I do think we, yeah, I, it's awesome. Love it. Um, all right. High school volleyball, Fort Defiance got those win, get the win against Gap last week. What was the story? Oh, Riverheads. Uh, they lost to Wilson. So they split with Wilson on the season. And so that kind of jumbles up that second level kind of as we expect, but Fort Defiance is up here. Then there's a jumble mess. Uh, we've added some teams to the jumble mess, but it's still a jumble mess. Uh, this week is the big week for Stanton, and they set that up with a win last week against Waynesboro. Uh, hopefully we don't have a podcast jinx because uh, Waynesboro did lose to Stanton the night after talking to us on the podcast. But that does set up good things for Stanton as, uh, you know, they beat Waynesboro. They beat Stewart's Draft last week. Uh, they've won three of the last four matches. This week they have – last week they played the two teams behind them. Now this week they play the two teams ahead of them. It's uh, – Wilson on Tuesday, Riverheads on Thursday. So whatever Stanton's brewing in there, whatever Chris Lassiter is going to watch and what they're brewing to get going there at Stanton, this is a big prove-it week for them. Can they put themselves right in the middle of the mix 
of Riverheads and Wilson and what they're doing, or are they going to stay that level behind? So it's going to be an interesting week uh, this week for Stanton. So that's kind of the big team to watch. Uh, in Cody's PowerPoints, he still has Ford at second behind Rockbridge, and that's kind of the only local team in the top five there. Um, so, I mean, it was a good week for volleyball. That that season's ending here, right? Like with Halloween coming, that season will be done. So just a couple weeks left here, and we'll be looking at playoffs. Yeah, that'll be exciting once the the playoffs start. But yeah, I mean, I'm it's good to see Stanton getting in that mess, and now it's you know I call it a Love mess, it. but it's a, it's a giant race for second. I mean, honestly, yeah. two games separate four teams. That's, that's impressive. Love it. In the golf world, we did have class three happen on Monday. Wilson Memorial, I finished sixth as a team. They did have Chase Snyder, uh, their top guy from all season. He finished ninth in the state with a plus two seventy four. Western Almerald right over the mountain. They're the uh, class three winner there as they dominated uh, one by 15 strokes as a team. And then Elsie McCleary is the uh, winner there individual. And she tore it up with a 67 and she's been tearing it up. I, I don't know if anybody's caught stories on her, but since she was 14, 15, there's been newspaper articles about how great she's been. Uh, Western Almerald has been in class four up until this year. So she was, you know, finishing in the top 10 um, in class four. This year, she's even better golfer and finishing top of the state. So that's awesome over there. Uh, on Tuesday, we're recording on Monday. On Tuesday, Fort Defiance will compete for um, the – they won the region, so they're competing at the state tournament. So that'll be fun for all those players. Uh, Rigdon Wright and Isaac Marshall, some of the top guys there from Fort Defiance. We'll talk about that next week. Bison had some guys go in Class 1 today, and uh, they got to compete, so that's awesome. Um, but a decent, decent, I liked what happened for Wilson there. You know, a, a, a sixth place finish is very solid and then having a top 10 golfer. That's, that's really impressive. Yeah, that's uh, good for them. I'm, I'm happy to hear that the golf is going well. So, you know, I think you need a lot of, I'm glad you're happy about it. I think you need a lot of happy things to think about lately. I'll tell the listeners, I, caught wind of a score on Saturday afternoon. And I think I've talked to you none since then, or, you know, minimal, mm-hmm. uh, and nothing about baseball because I was worried about, uh, what, how our conversation would go. And so for the first time, uh, let's talk some baseball. The first time since the Orioles had a first pitch, let's talk some baseball. I I'll say I'm, I don't like it. Uh, how do how do you feel, Joe? Um, you know, usually I come on here and I try to be honest and I have to apologize to our listeners. I'm not happy about the golf and it's nothing against those kids. I, <laughs> um, I'm just not happy. It's, it's been bad. It's been awful. Um, Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon gets there. I'm sitting down at a restaurant in the Richmond area meeting, cousin and a husband uh, her husband and uh watching the red river shootout which was exciting uh, and the orioles game gets delayed and so we wrap up our meal and i get invited to watch the game over at their place which is not far away and i was like yeah sure that's that's fine so we go over and we watch it and the team's doing well you know we're pitching well we're shutting down this high-powered rangers offense and we're just not getting hits and we lose the game despite having runners on first and second. It felt like every time for the last three innings and we just don't score runs. 
and we lose a heartbreaker. And that sucked. Um, my cousin kind of knew what Orioles playoff baseball was like with me. So she was not as surprised as her husband. Uh, when I went from like the happy, like, all right, we're going to do this to the, uh, well, I'm going to go to this game now and pretend that uh, things are okay. So get in the car, we drive, call the soccer game, uh, VCU loses. Uh, they had a penalty in the last minute to tie it, and they missed. Um, so that was maybe the only uh, kid that felt worse than I did in that moment. Um, and I did feel bad for him because it was tough. Um, but drive home that night. Sunday's a new day. We get up, go call the VCU women's soccer game. Um, unfortunately, they lose as well. Um, and then I leave with the knowledge that the Ravens are up 10 to 3 at the time. Yeah. Uh, fun fact they lose um, because why not? And But I also thought, you know what? This is my fault. Because I, t- I was sitting next to a Steelers fan who was on the ESPN Plus production crew. And he was like, man, he goes, yeah, you guys are going to win. We suck. And I was like, you know what? I would trade. I would let you guys win today if it meant the Orioles win. And so when I got news that the Ravens had lost, I was like, you know what? This is my fault. But you know what? I put this hey, into the universe. Go. I will take trade accepted is what I'm learning. Sounds great. And we score first. We have the lead. I'm super pumped. And then... As I'm driving up Afton Mountain, I just hear Rangers score, Rangers score, Rangers score, five run inning, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a moment where I just had to think. I was like, if I gun it, can I clear the trees? <laughs> and I, I mean, obviously I'm here, so I didn't do it. But I was like, God. And I get back, and I'm just so pissed. And I just continue to watch this game. I... If you're friends with me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you might have seen it. Like, I just closed the hoodie at one point and took a picture and posted it on social media because I had to do something that was going to be funny. Otherwise, I was going to literally just be in the darkest place I've ever been. It was. That's what I was worried about. It was terrible. It was. And I tried to explain it because, you know, the guys at work, I warned them. But then when I showed up today, they're like, oh, what's wrong? What happened this weekend? Like, they didn't know, which was really selfish of them. Um, <laughs> but um, Rob Ron was laughing about it because he thought it was hilarious. Um, not, well, he was laughing because I was making him laugh. He was not, he didn't think it was hilarious that the Orioles lost. He was rooting for the Orioles. Um, but, you know, I explained to them, I was like, it's like watching... And, and what I told uh, my old boss when the Orioles got eliminated in 2016, it's very close to that feeling of, like, you have a pet dog or any kind of pet, dog, cat, whatever you you are, uh, your pet of preference. And it wanders onto the road, and a semi-truck comes out of nowhere and just blows, plows into it. But somehow... By a miracle, the vet saves it. And you're walking out. You're so happy. Oh, my gosh. How lucky am I, this pet? I had this traumatic experience. But the pet is saved. 
thank you, vet. Oh, it's a miracle. And then as soon as you walk out the door, it gets struck by lightning and dies again. Like, just absolutely gut-wrenchingly awful. And when Brian Baker came in, you didn't get a text, but my brother got a text. And another Oriole fan I'm in a, I text during the games with got a text. And I said, Brian Baker is coming in to an MLB playoff game. I'm in hell. And I, I mean, it was like, I, I was like, oh, I, I'm in the bad place. I, I am Kristen Bell. I am in the bad place. And soon Ted Danson's going to come out laughing his ass off. But that never happened because this is the nightmare place. And what happens is Brian Baker walks the bases loaded. Then we take him out because, oh, surprise, the guy who shouldn't pitch in Williamsport in the Little League World Series definitely has no business being in the professional playoffs while we're trying to go to the real World Series. And then the next guy comes in, first pitch, see ya. I mean, as soon as the dude hit it, he stares, drops the bat. He didn't even need to. It was the Edwin Encarnacion thing all over again where it just is hit. He hit it over the Great Wall of Baltimore in left field, just absolutely smashed it. And as soon as he hit it, that's when I closed the hood. That's when I took the picture because I was like, and honestly, I was too defeated to get up and grab the remote, but I was glad it wasn't within grabbing distance because I would have put it through the TV. Like I was that angry that one, we thought Brian Baker was a legitimate solution to our pitching problem at that moment. And two, um, that I've allowed myself to believe um, the wisest words I ever got. And I don't think this was the message that was intended to come across from the dear officer, but um, because he very much said, don't take, he goes, this is not what you guys should be listening to. Um, But part of his speech was, you know, you guys go home and listen to your music and what the music says is life sucks and then you die. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? True words were never spoken. Life sucks and then you die. And that is what it's like watching this team get into the playoffs, win 101 games, and then game one, we don't score any runs. We pull our starter for funsies after four and two-thirds. Like, we're not, we don't have a whole series ahead of us where we might need our bullpen because we've got a 23-year-old coming in in game two. So we pull our starter that was doing good. Then we burn some of our good bullpen arms in game one, a game we don't win because Gunnar Henderson gets a hit and run sign, but Aaron Hicks doesn't see it. And so he gets thrown out trying to steal second. And then Aaron Hicks strikes out. And then we all just slap each other in the face and start pointing at each other on who missed what sign and who did what. And that was fun. And then game two, we bring in the 23-year-old. He does okay in the first few innings, but then he's a 23-year-old going up against a good hitting team. They start to see him, and they hit him. And we score runs after it doesn't matter anymore. And if we hadn't brought in a guy who I'd never want to see pitch for the Norfolk Tides, let alone the Baltimore Orioles, to walk the bases loaded to set up a grand slam, we win game two, um, which is also painful to think about. So the only thing Brian Baker bakes is losses. He's a great baker of losses, and I don't ever want to see him in an orange and black uniform. Uh, him and Peter Angel or John Angelus, well, Peter Angelus for that matter. I mean, I know he's probably hooked up to, I don't know, some kind of life support, but they could all go live in the harbor for all I care. I don't ever want to see them on dry land ever again in the city of Baltimore. I hate all of them. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's bad. It's Saturday was so bad. I didn't even get to fully enjoy college football. Like I love college football, but after that Orioles loss on Saturday, and then I do the soccer game that night, and I get back, and I could have watched some more football, or like gone back and watched highlights of the games or recaps of the games, and I just didn't because I was like, I don't, I don't care. And then you and Rob text, you know. Oh, we stole that one from the Ravens. And, you know, Rob's like, oh, I feel like I should apologize to Joe. And I just told him, it doesn't matter. And that's when he knew what the Orioles score was. And, yeah, it was just, I mean, we got another game Tuesday. So we'll probably go lose that one. And then then we'll get swept. For the first time in two years, it's the longest streak of not getting swept since World War II, I think they said. But we're going to break that t- on Tuesday because that's just how it's going to happen. I uh, We're throwing Dean Kramer. Hopefully Dean Kramer has a good game, but I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Like, we just suck, and, and I hate it. And I hate the state of Texas. I hate I hate everything. I... <sighs> I just, I don't even know who to be mad about or mad at. Like, it's, I don't even know if mad is right. Like, Brian Baker, I'm definitely mad at because he sucks. Um, But outside of Brian Baker, like, I don't even know if I'm mad. And, like, there's plenty of people like, oh, Brandon Hyde's mismanaging the bullpen. Like, this is, I told you this was going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not even mad at him. Like, we weren't aggressive at the trade deadline. This is why we needed to go get a legitimate starter and a legitimate bullpen arm at the deadline, but we didn't because our owner's not fully committed to the team. He's fully committed to being an asshole, and that's his life. And again, like, if he wants to go, I don't know, use his money to give himself gills and live in the harbor, or if he doesn't want to give himself gills, he's going to have to live in the harbor, and whatever happens, happens. Um, if he can tread water for the next 40 years, good for him. If he can't and he drowns, so be it. I, I don't care. Um, rule number one, when he's in the harbor, nobody go save him. Nobody go save him. Don't ever, don't get the lifeguards involved. Don't get the Coast Guard involved. Don't get the police involved. If you see him struggling in the harbor and he's like, help, help, don't help him. Throw him, throw him a cinder block. Like, don't help him. Be like, here, grab onto this. And see if he grabs onto the cinder block and it pulls him down faster. I, I don't. That's a man I wish nothing good for the rest of his life. Um, I'm not quite there with Brian Baker. I might fish him out of the harbor. But my next words would be, don't ever get the hell out of this city and never come back. Um, yeah, I just. What am I supposed to do with this? Like this, I, I warned folks, like if. If this didn't go the way I thought it would, it would be dark. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, my brother's like, dude, I told you this was going to happen. I tried to warn you. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't know, dude. I believed. And, again, let me say this, folks. Hope is the most dangerous thing. Kids, if you're out there listening, hope is the most dangerous thing in the world. Don't ever believe good things are going to happen. Life is just, there's that meme, maybe, it, maybe you know, for the youngsters, it's a, it was a TikTok. I saw it on a reel, so it probably definitely was a TikTok at some point, of the martial arts guy just standing there in a front-facing position while another martial arts person just kicks him repeatedly in the groin. And that's life. You just stand there just taking groin kick after groin kick. And... 
I'm telling you, we, I had friends trying to tell me, you know, like, oh, look at this thing going on over here and in this game. And I was like, if you guys think I am turning on the TV to watch another baseball game, you are insane. I took a screenshot of someone on social media celebrating their child's fourth birthday and put it in the group text. Like, is this person serious? I could give a bleep about her four-year-old right now. I'm watching my team absolutely cut my heart out on live national television. And I'm supposed to be like, oh, I'm supposed to go like your post about your kid having a birthday. Impossible. And I'm only slightly joking about some of this. Obviously, I did take a screenshot and put that in the group text. Obviously, I'm not serious about that. Like, she absolutely should celebrate her child's fourth birthday. But, like, it it has extremely bothered me this weekend. It ruined my entire weekend. I ate a burrito at Chipotle for lunch today, and that was the most I had eaten since, like, Friday afternoon. Because Friday night, I had already started to get, like, amped. I was, you know, the playoff energy is there. I'm getting nervous a little bit. Saturday happens. I mean, I am eating enough to, like, not have a headache later. And that's about it. Because food doesn't have a taste. I'm not really hungry. You might have COVID, dude. It's (laughs) fingers crossed. Um, it's just, and I ate today, but I know it's going to happen tomorrow. Like I'm going to get home. It's an eight o'clock game. I think the VCU soccer game got moved. So now I get to sit down and watch it. I'm just going to sit down at eight o'clock and probably watch Dean Kramer give up like a grand slam in the first inning. And here's the thing, folks. Like, when we were down 9-2, to part of me was like, Joe, shut it off. Just shut it off, and it can't hurt you anymore. But I didn't. Because, again, as I told you when the Grand Slam got hit, I was too defeated to get off the couch. I didn't even have enough will to get off the couch and grab the remote to change the channel. And I was just like... No, you did this to yourself. You you chose to be an Orioles fan. You have to sit through this. I I do. I I, I do agree. I, you got to sit there and watch it. I would have been surprised if you cut it off. The only time I've cut, and it wasn't really cutting it off early when you think about it, was the 2016 wildcard game when Edwin Encarnacion was the first Toronto Blue Jay to reach the moon uh, On when Ubaldo Jimenez served up that home run derby pitch. I never saw the ball land. I cha- I still to this day I haven't seen the ball land. Because as soon as he hit it, I was like, nope, and changed the channel. Um, Just like in Moneyball, when Brad Pitt's guy like, turns off the radio and turns it back on. Except I never turned it back on. I knew what happened. I, yeah. I didn't need to see it land. I knew where it was going. So this is where like a good friend would offer some bright side or try to talk you out of the negative feeling. But as if you said many times, we're just acquaintances. So that sucks, man. How about that? It does. And honestly, nothing anyone (laughs) says is going to fix this. Like the, Oh, it's just a game, Joe. It's just baseball. It's just sports. It's not that serious. Shut up. 
listen to me right now. Shut up. If that's your advice or that's how you're going to help, just shut up. You're not helping. It's not just a game. This team is everything. I have invested financially and emotionally everything into this team. There are no emotional chips left. Virginia Tech football, please. Well, speak of the Hokies, that's my my emotional riding team. And as expected, as we both expected, they lost. I if you want more baseball talk, we're just not it. We're like Joe didn't watch the other games, so we're not gonna talk about them. Yeah, I mean what do you want me to say? Joe has opinions. Yeah, oh, oh, Joe, what do you think about the playoff format? Do you you know everyone's talking about the playoff format? Should they change it? Yeah, I mean I think they should change it for the future because it does seem the wild card teams do seem to have an advantage. But it's it's a conversation at the beginning of next year, not right now, because right now the only thing that's gonna fix me is if the Orioles somehow come back and win three straight and advance to the ALCS. That's what we're rooting for. And if not, um, I don't know. Maybe we don't do this podcast anymore. Maybe. Maybe this is it. So I want to talk about the Hokies if this is it. And uh, they lost as expected. They covered. uh, Or, you know, they were within the spread. So I appreciated that. They lost by less than expected. Um, That returning the kickoff to start the second half was was a high point. So I like that. Um, but we were never really in that game. So it's fine. I'm hoping nothing happened in that game set me back. And that's what I was really hoping to have through that game. Like, let's score multiple times. That'll make me satisfied and we'll move on. We did that. So we'll take that. We scored on two different offensive drives. We also had a special team score. So I like it. So we move on, play Wake Forest. And if this team has improved any, uh, from you know the Marshall loss and examples of that, as we saw in Pitt, and that means this Wake Forest game, we should at least be in it and and ho- and win the thing. I think we should win it to be where I want to be. Um, so that's how we'll deal. Um, again, I'm not going to waste our listeners' time by having Joe fake an answer to this. So because um, he doesn't care right now, I don't. I could care less. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech football, honestly, like I like the Hokies, but and I like college football. I like. Yeah, you just JMU it football. went through this weekend. It's fine. I, it's I good love, for a sports podcast to have one of us not watch anything but one sport this weekend. Yeah, I love the Orioles. And so when the Orioles decide that, and honestly, like, it's just awful. It's I, still an I, Orioles talk. I just hate it. Like, I hate yeah. everything about this. The good news is that the high school football game was on Friday because I'm telling yeah. you, if I. I'm glad we didn't lose you on Friday. Could yeah. you imagine if the Orioles played Friday in the yeah. ALDS um, no, and no, lost no. and I would have had to go try to do a radio game i i would not have been able to fake it through that yeah all all the Uh, respect in the world to our local athletes but i just i would have been on there and it would have been stewart we're we're here for fort defiance stewart's draft struck by lightning we'd understand yeah we're we're here at fort and stewart's draft and i don't know one of these teams is going to win i guess but really who cares yeah uva finally got their first win uh wasn't without some dramatics but they got the win they have the bye this week seems to come at a good time JMU was on a bye. Now they get Georgia Southern noon on ESPN two. So that's nice. Everybody that's always complained about flow sports. Hey, you're on ESPN two again this week. And then ESPN on Thursday night, the week after. So JMU's liking that. Um, I don't even know where to go with any of this other than let's get our bets. I I don't think we have much to talk about. I I knew Notre Dame was going to be, was going to lose to Louisville. I saw that coming. I bet money that way. Happy it happened. You saw Oklahoma beating Texas. It happened. We're moving quick through this because I just like if if you didn't watch it, you don't care. I don't want to sit here and 
make you fake, fake it for audience. I, it's fine. Let's talk about betting. Well, I but extend- here's the thing, Leland. Like, it was an exciting weekend. Like, I'm, I see the scores and I'm like, that would have been cool. Miami lost in a super crazy way. Like, yeah, let's talk about that one. Yeah, that's crazy. I made you. I texted you. That was one of the few things I texted you on Saturday. I said you need to see how Miami lost the game. Like, and I if you, you didn't, I, I wouldn't have known that. until today when I heard him talking about it on Levitard, and it would have been even crazier. They had to knee that ball, Miami, and they ran the ball. They fumbled the ball. That actually. And then, Georgia Tech scores instantly, goes downfield and scores instantly, wins the game with the time running out. It just like you can't lose that game in college football. Riverheads in 2006 won a playoff game against William Campbell because of a very similar thing. At the high school level, you understand mistakes are made, still unacceptable. But at the college level, when that much is on the line and you're paid how much and there's so many people watching the same thing and working towards the same thing and they're paid high dollars to do so, it cannot happen. At least – uh, Cristobal owned that today, so I, I will give him credit there. He's not my favorite guy. Not, none of these coaches are, uh, so, but I'm glad that he owned that. I, I did appreciate that. You know what? In a sick, twisted way, the uh, only thing that did give me some enjoyment Saturday was Miami fans' misery. Like, watching how they lost that game. Yeah, that when you said, you need to go see this, I was like, I don't think I do, but okay. And I went and it, I looked it up. And honestly, like, I just, I just laughed. Like my first reaction was to laugh. And I'm I was glad like, I was there for you. It's like, wow, that was funny. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I like, texted you the thing that was different. Like I wouldn't have texted you just anything. I was like, this is different. You got to go see it. So I'm glad you did. Um, the Oklahoma, Texas game was great. It was a great watch. I, you said you watched some of that, so that's good. Um, that was a crazy finish. At one point I texted about that game and you're like, you're watching something else than me. But well, because I was only started. on one TV and then uh, okay. Um, okay. at that point, but then like when it got near the end and we saw the game was so close, like I pulled it up on my phone because it was, the game was okay. on the TV. There was a fourth down. There was a four plays from the one. Yeah. Yard line that, that, that was crazy. Um, Makes God. me think more of Oklahoma, I guess, but I think there's two teams are going to face each other again. I think that's obvious. But what was, and again, like it, it made me laugh, which told me that maybe I was still alive. And then Sunday happened. And I don't know if we lose Tuesday, I, it might get to the point where I just like light a match and run my hand over it to see if I still feel pain. Fair enough. Um, so let's talk about betting. I increased our lead and our locks and super dogs. Cause my dog won. Great. Uh, we had, I had. Who was my dog? I don't even remember. You had. Was. Did I even enter it? I don't know. Who yeah, cares? yeah, yeah. You had Marshall plus six and a half. Oh, yeah. They suck. Louisville won. So I got the six and a half plus the five. That's 11 and a half. Your lock won. Bama, my lock lost, was, which was Texas. And then we had the rest right of the local stuff. So let's look at this week. Have you had a chance looking at these bets? God, I'm looking at them now. They're tough. There's not a lot to choose from. There's not. There's a lot of tight, tight spreads, which makes it hard for the dogs. Yeah. I mean, okay, I guess my lock. You know what? I don't care. I'm terrible at this anyway. I'm not going to win probably. So my lock, I'm just going to say the Washington Huskies because I think they beat the Oregon Ducks. It's at minus two and a half what I'm looking at uh, on DraftKings. And um, who cares? I'm not going to win this either. Uh, 
Iowa plus 10. All right. I like that to at least cover. I like that. Um, yeah. Well, I have, I'm going to just settle on as much as I want to pick Liberty for Jacksonville State to beat Liberty on Tuesday night um, as they are plus six on Liberty. Yeah. So I think they'll at least be within that. I am going to leave that alone because I can't bet it in real life. And so I'm going to take Colorado State plus seven and a half versus Boise State. That's that's where I'll land. Can I ask why you landed on that one? Because I could not find anything in the power five that I could get behind. Yeah, maybe BYU plus five. I I was I was I actually had one point had written that one down. But Colorado State's where I landed. Maybe I should have picked Army plus four and a half. That's the rule, right? It has to be four and a half. Or more? I think so. Maybe I should have picked Army. Oh, well. Since you're having an emotional time, I'll let you have a day to tell me what you want. No. We don't have to. No. I'm just going to stick what with it. What do you have? I, I told you Iowa? what I have. Iowa plus okay. 10. So my lock is Louisville minus 8. They're going to they're gonna beat up. Okay. Um, isn't that on the CW, too? Yeah, they're on Pittsburgh. They're minus 8 against Pittsburgh. They're going to beat them by... Three touchdowns. Um, the next two weeks, the CW gets like top 15 teams on there. So that's interesting. Um, all right. NFL. I, I I mostly want to just talk about the two main things that I think you at least have an opinion on, even though you don't care. Uh, Steelers beating the Ravens. You've hit on that. We absolutely stole that game. So I, I will acknowledge that. I also didn't talk trash about this game before it was played, so it's not like I can talk trash now. I'm happy to win. It's another example of Steelers. Like, that's the kind of game – like, that's how I think we win games. Like, that. We just need to make sure we get all these other games against, like, Houston and stuff, teams that I think are worse than Baltimore, and have them be that kind of game instead of just getting our butts beat. Um, but that also speaks to that rivalry. And that – like, like, even when one team's good and one team's not – that's what comes out of that rivalry so often. The ineptitude of a player that demanded to be have his entire contract guaranteed. I don't think this game is that specific of a. I mean, uh, that pick on third and goal was great, wasn't it? No, that all was all we bad. had to do that, was take a was field a bad goal. Play. I, all I we needed was like a field we... goal to you know like kind of win that game at that point. But instead, he hey, we gave you an extra forty seconds at the end of that game. We almost still gave it back to you. Three hundred. Oh yeah. I, spoiler alert. He could have had four minutes. It wouldn't have mattered. That's Sean Glennon in the fourth quarter when you need when you're when you need a touchdown. That's who Lamar Jackson becomes. It's like he just transforms into Sean Glennon, just a totally worthless quarterback. The other big game to talk about: 49ers just beat down on the Cowboys, and that's that's another thing I want to bring up. Like you had the ultimate bad weekend because like. We talked about the Orioles. Like, did Billy Joel live through his concert at, at, in Baltimore? Yeah, God, I hope. Because like, if he dropped dead, that would just play into what everything that we have here. I wouldn't be on this you're podcast a, if that happened. You're a closet Cowboys fan, and that didn't even hurt. More. That didn't hurt. I knew the 49ers were probably going to win. The 49ers are the best team in the NFL. I just loved seeing them get beat down. I loved it. Okay, I, it's whatever. It Not was worse for, for my brother. It was worse for my brother. And you're probably thinking like, oh, Joe, you know, shit sucks. But we know you care about your brother a lot. I didn't even text him. Like, I was, who cares? <laughs> he texted me today, hot and take, Adley's bad at calling pitches. And I told him, 
I don't think this is Adley's fault. And he's like, oh, I've just had, I've thought it for a while. I just haven't said anything because I didn't want to make you mad. And I was like, and now that we're down two on a playoff series is the time where we now push that envelope. Yeah. Like, okay. This is why I didn't text you this week. That's why I left you the hell I've been telling you to watch how bad Miami, how Miami lost the game. I could punch it's a set, seal. It sets up next weekend where the NFL schedule is just like, this is when the NFL, like the witching hour will have six games be nuts next week. Because the schedule on its own just doesn't bring you in. So this is that week. Like the last couple of years, I remember this. Like we've seen weekends where it's like, oh, what? there's not really any good games. That's when the witching hour is at its best. So get ready. Everybody in the witching hour this week, watch out because it's coming. Because there's no game. Like what am I looking forward to next NFL weekend is the witching hour just because I know it's going to be crazy. Because no other singular matchup gets me excited. I don't know. Yeah, we know you don't know. I don't know if I can support sports. Sports takes up too much of our lives. Yeah, it's bad for us. Maybe it is. Got a lot of real problems in the world. We do. You want to talk about those? Is that the podcast we want? You want to talk about Gaza? It would make me as happy as I am right now. I did see that on the news and thought to myself, like, maybe the world is going to end. That would be okay. And those are, as much as I will buy into the the scenario that you're of how much you care about Baltimore, because I I know you do. I know how much I care about teams, and so like I can buy into what you're saying. That is a truly sad story. This is a real problem. This is like this is yeah. That is a real world problem. That is a real world problem because of it. Eventually, I will probably get over the Orioles losing. Um, Yeah, this is really a tragic story going on over there, and is a reminder that. Um, even as bad as it is that the Orioles are losing or, you know, whatever's going on in our country, which there's a lot of bad stuff going on in our country too. Like it could be worse. We don't have that. We don't. I'm not going to even ask if you've watched anything. Like, I really think we're done. Like I like that's what's what's dominating my life. Uh, what's yeah, dominating like, my just, life? Like, I think we're done with this podcast. Like, I think we had a great guest. I think we had Chris Lasseter, who's awesome, and he mm-hmm. makes great points about the bigger than, bigger than things that are bigger than light, bigger than the scoreboard. Sure. And then the after we get Chris on here, all we talk about is the scoreboard, and then how much that scoreboard has destroyed Joe's life. So, like, I think we've had a dynamic podcast this week, and uh, I appreciate Chris for coming on. And I might advise people to if you don't want to be depressed. Um, cause that's, that's probably the real reason it's probably selfish. That's uh, probably selfish. Why I didn't text you the whole weekend. Cause I didn't want to be depressed. I didn't want you to bring me down. Cause I, you know, I had a pretty nice little weekend and it watched happened. college yeah. football and loved it. And NFL was good. I just didn't want to like feel bad for you or, and I was cheering for those. I didn't watch it all on Sunday cause I got to it. I got it to it too late. I was what the second or third, whatever that, whatever started going. Yeah. Back, whatever the five, when I got was. to it, yeah, it was five, two. And I was like, not turning that on, not talking to Joe. So, and then like the next inning, it was nine to two. And that's I, when I did happen to notice the scores as they changed, but I did not watch it. So, uh, and that's yeah. when you start thinking things like, I don't know. I, what was dominating my life was a glorious meal in October, which is always good. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned that because what was dominating my life after the game was I tried to make a, yeah, I told you about that meal kit last week. Uh, oh yeah, if yeah. You're listening, yeah, we got another box in, and uh, we tried to make the tomato sauce. Except I didn't have any milk, 
And uh, I was in no position to drive at that point in the day uh, after watching the Orioles get killed. So I was like, oh, I can substitute water for milk. That's what they do in Prego, and that comes out fine. No. Well, it's it's not. It was it was awful. It was a terrible yeah. sauce. So I ate like four bites of that before I was like, you know what? Probably not worth it, and threw it away. Um, so if, that was a great if your success. Pet wouldn't have been struck by lightning. You could have smoked your pet. Yeah, that been good. Yeah, I could have could have just eaten my smoked pet, and that'd have been fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, like I, I okay. So this is another thing that happened. This is dominating my life. But this is what I know that you need to know. Um, I saw people that went to the game, especially game two. Game one, okay, I get it, right? Like, we still have hope. Game two, somebody posted, like, oh, you know, I know the game didn't go well, but it was still an awesome day. Uh, no. It was not an awesome day. Shut up. I don't I don't care. So if the Orioles win the next two in Texas. God help us. Go to the game. Switch it up. You go up there and represent what a good or bad day is going to be and go Leland, in there and watch them win. You go to the last two, Leland, go switch up the mojo. I'm telling you right now, if I did and we lost, you would never see me again. I would walk into the harbor. You'd jump in there with... With, with John Angelos. I'd hold him down myself. I'd hold him down myself and say, we you live bring here. bring in two cinder blocks and hand yeah. them to him. This one's for you. <laughs> catch and then jump on i try to jump on top of him just to make sure i get him like oh my gosh i i couldn't handle it i honestly leland this is my fear right and this is where we could have asked chris lassiter this because this goes back to the age-old debate with him and patrick i would rather get swept than us win three and four and then lose game five that's that honestly might kill me i might die of heartbreak if that happens Oh, that's when you know you still had a pulse. That's true. The pain. I still, I still on the side. I'm still on the side. I have. Of, I want a chance. I want my I chance. I have. I have long said that pain is what makes me know I'm alive. Um, and as a as a bandwagon Orioles, as a longstanding of weeks or even days of being on this Orioles bandwagon. I'd rather have the chance. I'd rather have Game Five than. And not you know, have shout game out five. to Graham. Graham does the music for our podcast. Shout out to him. Because he was like, well, would you say that the Orioles are turning a corner right now, or is this like the one shot that they've gotten? I was like, no, that's if I'm being brutally honest and looking big picture. The Look next, at you. I laid next off this three topic to four years. I didn't wanna, yeah. The next three to four years, we have these guys under team control. Like, yes, we will be back in the playoffs for they won't the have majority. Experience when they get yeah, back. we will be back in the playoffs very soon, probably next year. And like, that's if I'm looking big picture. But right now, yeah, I mean, right now I'm watching my my pet get electrocuted over and over and over. I appreciate that you brought up the big picture because I didn't think you were ready for that. I was going to hold on to that till next week. Yeah, my God, definitely don't say it next week either. Like, that's the thing. Like, the whole, like, well, it's been a good... And I already know that's going to happen when we get eliminated. There's already people posting it, like, on Orioles Twitter that I follow because, you know, they're fun people to follow during the season and stuff but they're like you know we gotta think about you know we won 101 games and that's really hard that's really great that we did that and the mariners did that you know, and then make the playoffs for the next two decades don't say that shit um don't <laughs> say that shit but like it's just yeah like the well, great season and like i said the person's like no even though we didn't win i had a really fun time today be like i wouldn't that would be so terrible 
just the thought of going to game two, watching us get clubbed, coming back and losing. Just, God, it's it's terrible. It makes me sick. I'm sick thinking about it. I'm sick thinking about Tuesday. Like, at least Tuesday. Like, if we win, here's the, here's the dumb part, folks. If we win Tuesday, because, okay, so before the season started, I'm in a group text with friends that, my brother's the only other Orioles fan in the group text. So friends, not me. I understand. Yeah, that. that's why you're not in it. Um, and the the question was, what's your confidence rating? And my brother's, you know, some stupidly low number. I had to censor myself there. I almost said what I really thought of his number. Um, but it was like forty oh, percent, and I was like, what? What a clown! God, I had to catch myself there again. I I know I've already let something slip twice. I don't even think I'm going to edit it out because who cares? Um, no one's gonna listen to this anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um, the people that can't handle language have turned this off long ago. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's, he's like forty percent, and I was like, game one, a hundred percent, series ninety five percent, and then game two, I was like. Game two, 60%. Series, 55%. Because game one's loss took a lot out of me. And now I'm like, I don't know. Game three, 2%. Series, 1%. But if we win, if we win, we're back up. It's going to be like 40, 40, 50. Texas is a streaky team, man. Texas is a streaky Texas team. Is the only, Texas is the only other team to go up 2-0 in a divisional series after winning two games on the road and still lose the series, and that was to the Blue Jays. So, um, you know what? I'm not – my percentage is higher than milk. Um, let me – it's not 2%. You got D-milk? It's not, it's not 2% milk. <laughs> it's, um, you got some D-milk now? Give them the D. Um, Give them that full fat. It's not full, but 30%. 30%. Look at you. 30%, 25%. Look at what I've done for you in an hour and a half. Look at what I've done for you. 30, 25%. Distract you with the valued guest of the Exports podcast. I do appreciate Chris Lasseter. And it was nice when he was here and, you know, trying to bring perspective. Like there are things more important than the scoreboard. I let you talk this out. And now I've brought you back to 30%. Look at me. 30% and 25%. This is what I do for you. Your acquaintance brought you back to 30%. Yeah, maybe we'll start using The guy you work with at the radio brought you back to 30%. Maybe we'll use the F word occasionally now. Um, Yeah, it's... Did you use it? I didn't catch that. No, I'm talking to a friend. Um, Uh Bad F word. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you every other time you say that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, maybe... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can't win game three. Dean Kramer's pitching. Dean Kramer's, I mean, the bad thing is Dean Kramer has a lot on his mind other than the game because he is, uh, his family is stuff. from Israel. So the real stuff yeah. that we talked about earlier. Um, and that sucks. And I, you know, if, if he goes out and has a bad game, it's, I'm not going to be on here like, oh, Dean Kramer, you shouldn't be pitching in Williamsport. Like I am Brian Baker because I get why he's having a rough game because even though he says, my, I'm fully focused, I'm like, okay, but I mean, how could you possibly be? Um. Yeah, I get it. Like I'm not but gonna. If, if we the lose, coaches around him, everybody around him thinks he's capable of Carmelo. Yeah, Car- 
compartmentalizing compartmentalizing this then you have to trust them so yeah and i'm not gonna get like i said at this point if we lose the series it's not gonna be dean kramer's fault um so it'll be major league baseball because they rigged it so he wouldn't win um but yeah i don't know we'll see what happens i don't know um john's phillies blew it tonight so it's one one there the Rangers, yeah. the Diamondbacks look like they might be getting ready to eliminate the Dodgers. And uh, I don't know, the Astros and Twins are 1-1, right? Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, the uh, the Twins did win game two. Verlander took game one, and then... Pablo Twins Lopez won game two. Yeah. Look at you. you you're, you're, you're catching up. You're catching up. I'm getting you back to good. I feel good about myself. I couldn't have done this for you Saturday or Sunday. I had to wait till today. Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed tonight's podcast... I will say sometimes it's more positive than this, but we do have great guests like Chris Lassiter come on all the time. And we do talk local sports at the front of each and every podcast. That's what we're here to do for your Augusta County sports. Uh, I've been Leland McRae. Joe Deck is the other voice, the depressing voice that you heard. And uh, make sure you come back and uh, find us on Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify. Tell your friends to find us there. And then also interact with us at Yak Sports Pod. If you can't wait till next week's podcast to interact, to hear Joe's opinion directly, I'm sure if you tweet at him, you'll get some words thrown at you. So at Yak Sports Pod can start leading you towards him. And uh, if I if I need to connect you guys, I will because you know I might have to I might have to wait till next Monday to talk to him again. If this is uh, if the attitude that we got in the beginning of this is what we're going to have, I might just have to wait. But but then I'm going to work him through it because we are acquaintances, and that's what acquaintances do. Until next week, we'll talk to you about playoffs, high school football, all of it next week on the Exports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 